0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Welcome back. This week's parsha is Achray Mos Kadoshim. Uh, but before we get to Achray Mos Kadoshim, we're going to talk a little little health note little health note today. So this is for um, my first statement. It's for people who are fifty and over. None of you guys. But just altogether about health, that you know, sometimes you feel that yeah. you're beyond the normal health that a person has to take care of. I'm connected to Hashem. I'm this I'm that. You know, I don't have to worry about all this other stuff, whatever it is. But, but yeah. there's a tevah that a person has to do certain things. Like there's a mitzvah of The mitzvah the of the that 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 the person should live, and 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 it's a mitzvah to live, and it's a mitzvah to do things. Anyway, so there's a rule, there's a rule in the, me- in the medicine that when you hit 50 years old, you become 50 years old, you should take colonoscopy. It's because colon cancer, chas shalom, is something that's preventable because what happens is there, there's something called polyps, which are not cancer, and they, they sometimes grow in your colon, and if, and they become cancerous, they could become cancerous, so when they do colonoscopy, they see palps, they take them out, and that's it. They never become cancerous. So they, 50 years old, they, that's when they like, unless this person has hereditary, that people, that people did colonoscopies and they had a lot of palps. Anyway, 50 years old, a woman and a man both take colonoscopy. It's not, it's not a lot of fun, but, but, it's not a lot of fun. You have to drink this, this like, Miramax, but it's not, ugh, oh, what happened, what I did. So let me tell you what happened. I'll tell you, there's a reason I'm telling you the story. So, so when I was 50, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. You have to drink this stuff. It makes you throw up. Then you go to the bathroom a whole night. Mm-hmm. Then you have to take colonoscopy, which only the whole thing is like 20 minutes. So I kept pushing it off and pushing it off and I'm 55 and then my doctor's like, you're 55. You're five years late. You need to take colonoscopy. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to. I'm, I'm above the law. My name's Wallace. There's a guy Wallace. I, I give she of him. You know, I'm on tour anytime. Like, I don't need to do this. So I pushed it off and I pushed it off and I pushed it off. I made some appointments. Every time I went to the doctor he says, you you play with your life because it's preventable. But I'm like, But I mean if you because I didn't do it, so you're gonna give me that sickness. It doesn't the whole thing doesn't add up, doesn't make sense. But what you don't realize is that there's a thing called Dirchama and then there's So yes, you could be different, but then you need a miracle then you need a nace. So if you need a ace, they got if they're gonna give you the nace, they're gonna take a lot of your credits away. You don't want your credits to be taken away. So you're supposed to live a normal supposed to brush your teeth in the morning well you're going to get cavities, you know what I'm saying you can't say well I'm above care uh, you know I am, I'm not going to get cavities right, you're supposed to brush your teeth well, you supposed to take care of your body you're supposed to take care of your body it's a mitzvah and take care of your body anyway 55, 56, 57, 58 made an appointment, cancelled appointment made an appointment, anyway so I don't know be a few weeks ago whatever it was someone in my family went they found they took it out my sister's like bothering me you need to go you need to go so I made an appointment okay I'm gonna go but I remember when much long time ago when I was sick I didn't feel when I was much younger in my 20s I did a colonoscopy I remember drinking that stuff throwing up it was like sick so I made an appointment like two months ago pay the program cancel that anyway I had an appointment this past, this past Friday to go, right? Had an excuse not to go. My daughter gave birth. She was in the hospital. I said, you know what? I'm nine years late. I, I need to do this, even though I don't want to do it. Friday, Arab Shabbos is the best time to do it because you can rest on, you know, you can rest on Shabbos. A colonoscopy takes 20 minutes. To colonoscopy. First of all, the drink. So the night before, you have to drink this Miramax, Miramax. right? Miramax it's called. But it's a whole bottle. You have to drink 64 ounces. You mix it in. So if you mix it with plain water, you're going to throw up. So what did I do? I had to up with the concoction. So I took hot, I took water and I made... I took um, lemon zinger, which is red. It's red. It's very lemony. And I made lemon zinger tea, like scents. And I squeezed six... Pieces of lemon into that, very strong. And then, I mixed the Miramax into that, which you're allowed to, into that tea. Right? Guys, I did not taste any Miramax at all. I thought I was drinking tea. Not hot, just you know, lukewarm. Did not taste it. I drank the whole thing every 20 minutes, I had to drink 8 ounces. No problem, then you run to the bathroom. I had to make sure it wasn't a night of a sheer, I had to make sure I wasn't speaking, cause when you're running, you're running you have to clean out your colon when they do a colonoscopy You has to be able to look through your colon if you don't clean out your colon you're going to go through a colonoscopy then he's going to tell you I couldn't see anything we've got to do this again so you want, you want to make sure you do it right anyway it's a, 20 minute, it's a 20 minute process I was under for 2 hours and 5 minutes I actually woke up in the middle because they ran and you're only supposed to yeah they put your out. you can't do the thing you can't you smear away no and, 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 and I woke up towards the end because they only give you anesthesia for 20 minutes. And they, and they can give you like four hits of that, but that's four times 20 is an hour and 20 minutes. I was Why was I under there so long? I had so many palps that it was mamish, took him two hours, and there was one of them that he said, it was very big, he said, Rabbi, within a year that would have become cancer. It's already turning. He said, it's a miracle. The guy who did it told me, but the guy who came out, the anesthesia was a firm guy. He said, Rabbi Wallstein, you had a miracle today that you can't, because if you would have waited, you would have been in big trouble. So, don't wait. Don't wait. No one's above the law. Ain't same kind of So when you hit 50... Whether you're female or male, you need to take a Chol Not It's it's preventable. So again, I made a little chesh. But what do you mean it's preventable? If I'm supposed to get it, it's my shirt. So what do you mean it's preventable? It wouldn't happen anyway. Ah, you can't make such bindings because then you need a miracle. You, then I'll, I'll pee You're putting yourself into danger. Now I'll put yourself into danger. So it's very important. When I was listening to my shit tonight, I thought about, should I talk about it? Shouldn't I talk about it? Of course I have to talk about it. Don't push it off. 'Cause God forbid this thing changes, these palps change into cancer. Once it's colon cancer, percentages is not good. What do you need that for what do you need it for? If it's preventable, what do you need it for? So whoever's out there listening, do my trick with the tea, you won't taste the stuff at all. Not at all, it's not a big deal, and you'll be it'll give you a yamim. That's number one. Number two. What? No, no, it's... Per, it. To make it ices. No, you don't... T- listen to me. I drank it. I did not taste. There was anything in it. I, I drank it down like I was drinking a tea. No taste whatsoever. I told the nurse when I got there, you need to tell this to everybody because a lot of people... My mother threw up because she just mixed it with water. You don't, can't just mix it with water. All right. Anyway, number two. When a dentist tells you that you have a cavity, you need to get it filled... You need to get it filled. There is no worse chair in the world than a dentist chair in my life. OK I do not like that chair. I do not like that noise when the drills. I do not like a dentist I never ever. Three years ago, my dentist said to me, "You have a little teeny cavity in your back tooth under your cap. Just come back here, it'll take me half an hour, We'll fill it, and you'll be fine. I never went back to him. I never went back to him. I never went back to him. When I finally did go back to him, right, because it hurt, he said, you need a root canal. And you do a root canal because the cavity is big. I didn't take care of it. So the next thing you do, you need a root canal. I didn't go for the root canal. I didn't want every fry every time I went to a root canal. Anyway, to make a long story short, few weeks ago, it really began to hurt. And I went to the root canal guy, right? What's the root canal cost? Today, $850. So my, my, if I would have gone when I was supposed to to get a filling, it would have been $200. Now we're at 895 and some guys take $1,200. And you gotta get a root canal and you gotta go back there twice. And it hurts, it's not a cavity, right? I sit down in the chair, But I didn't go when I was supposed to. I waited a year after I was told to get a root canal. And the root canal guy takes uh, an X-ray and he's like, I cannot save this tooth. Your cavity has now gone below your gum line and it's in your root. I can't save your tooth. You have to get it, take it out. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, you got to get an extraction and you you have to get an implant. $6,000, whatever it is. I'm like... What? Come on, you could do something. He goes, "Yeah, we could cut your gum. We could, but we're not going to save you. The tooth is not. It's not worth it. Whatever it is. So, from a little teeny cavity, which would have cost two hundred dollars, became a root canal. From a root canal that would have cost nine hundred dollars, and I would have had a tooth, became no. You don't want to take care of it. You don't want to take care of it. Now you can't take care of it. So this morning at nine o'clock." I sat there and the guy pulled out, I had extraction. I'm on all kinds of stuff. I, I have 15 stitches in my gum because it's the last tooth Close it's got. Up. Up. Thank you very much. It's good to know. <laughs> I had ice in my face a whole day, a pack of ice in my face a whole day. And I'm sitting there, Mishugana, what did you do? It was a cavity. You, you have to take care of yourself. You can't when it comes to these things, it comes to anything, you can't procrastinate. You can't procrastinate. Okay? So the beginning of my shir, I'm just telling everybody that if you have to take care of something in your body, take care of it right away. You're not above the law because you're this and you're that and you're this and you're from and you put on tillin and all that. Your cavity, no matter how much tilling you put on, your cavity, if you don't, Hashem, made a world in a certain way. If you don't take care of your cavity, you don't brush your teeth and you don't, take care of yourself, in the end they are going to pull your tooth, and then you're going to have to get an implant to wait three months, implant mm. the implant you got to go to another guy put the cap on, what you needed to do is put a little teeny filling when he told you that you need a filling yeah. okay, that's the lesson of the day, if you're 50 years old get a colonoscopy, and when they tell you you have a cavity, take care of it right away you don't want to sit here with this I can tell you that much, okay antibiotics painkillers, you can't eat on the side for three days, you can't eat anything hot for three days, so I got some iso, you could have just gotten your cavity filled with sugar, you No, know. would have taken 20 minutes I'm talking to myself, but I'm talking to everyone who's watching alright now we go to Achimos, so it's it's sort of, by the way you, you think I just say things, right I just, you know, Rebbe came in today because he got a colonoscopy, he wants to talk about it in this it's in this week's parsha. It's in this week's parsha. Hello? It's in this week's parsha. there anyone in, not a and ask the whole idea of what I just said? Where, where is it in this week? It's a Rashi. You know the Rashi? No. Shmata is sechem. By the way, is it It's also so it's actually two mitzvahs. Shmata is sechem and v'chay It's two mitzvahs. Not saying to take care of yourself. All right, anyway, we're in this week's Pasha. Anyone have any idea? of the first Rashi. Yeah, first Rashi, this week's Pasha. Here's the story. Ready? By Hashem Hashem spoke to Moshe. After Moshe nebene Aaron. After the two sons of Aaron died, right Another review. view, they brought a kiturah, so we're supposed to they drank wine, whatever. By Hashem I'm sorry that I'm leaving it on, but I... Of a girl that was just taken to the hospital. Overdosed on alcohol. So I just have to watch, see what's going on over here. Um, so, And Hashem said, He's not going to come into the Kodesh, right? The only time he's going to come to the Kodesh is, is, is on, on, on Yom Kippur. Any other day, if he goes into the Kodesh, he's going to die. Okay, so why does it have to say, achremos? And why does it, why, why does Hashem have to say that if you're gonna to come to the Kodesh, right, and you're not, and it's not gonna be Yom Kippur, and you're gonna go into Kodesh Kedashim, you're gonna die, right? Because what does it say? Tell your brother, that Bechol Esal, Loya Aoyala Bechol He shouldn't come into the Beit Edition whenever He wants. Ash'ala Aram, which, with the Arna Kodesh and the but why but Loyamos! I don't want him to die. But if he comes in there without... uh, It's not Yom Kippur. He comes in, he's going to die. Even though Aaron Akkai really could come anytime he wanted. But he had to come with the Karbanas. It's the whole thing. It's against Lema But Lamaisa, Hashem's Hashem saying that if you come into the Kodesh, if you don't listen to me, you come into the Kodesh when you're not supposed to, you will die. Like who? Like your sons. Right? Okay. So Rashi says like this. Why do you have to talk to him like that? Just tell him not to go into the Kodesh. What's with that? When you will die. We have, come, we have to threaten him. Just say, I don't want you going through the Gersh Kedoshim only on Yom Kippur. So Rachi says the following, Why does it say this? Achimos. Hey, Rabbi Elezer Benaziah said the following, it's a beautiful pshadim that we're going to tell you tonight. He said, I want to tell you a parable. He tells you a story. There was a sick person and a doctor came to visit him. The doctor told him, Al don't eat cold foods. The Don't don't um don't sleep in a soft bed. Okay? The first doctor told him that. Now another doctor comes in. And the other doctor says, different. I'll talk don't eat cold food. Al not don't, b'techav. Uh, don't, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean a soft bed. Don't, li- don't lie down in a cold, damp place, okay? It all has to do with cold. Don't eat cold foods and don't sleep in a damp, cold place, not in a soft bed. I was wrong about that. Shalay Thomas! So you shouldn't die because Derek like the other guy that died. So there's two doctors. One comes in and says, don't eat cold food, and don't sleep in a cold, damp place. He leaves. The other doctor walks in and says, don't eat cold food, don't sleep in a damp, cold place, because you don't want to die, like what's-his-name died, who did who, who did that, okay? So he says, the second doctor gave him a much bigger warning. The first guy just said, this is not good for you, don't do it. The second guy said, don't do this, or else you're going to die like someone else died, okay? That's why Hashem said, In other words, don't do this, because if you do it, you're gonna die, like the two, like your two sons. So it's like the second doctor. And that, the person's gonna listen to more. Yes. Take a call it. Take a colonoscopy. Listen to me. Take a colonoscopy. I never listened. Take a colonoscopy because the palp can turn into cancer, and your family has a what's it called of having polyps. I ran. Very big difference. I ran. When my mother went, whenever it came back, the doctor said, Listen, this, this, is, this turns into colon cancer. I'm like, I'm there. But when he told me you need to take a colonoscopy, ah! That's right. what This is saying someone tells you, you need to take, you need to you, you, have, you have a cavity, take care of it ah, I'll take it, you have a cavity if you don't take care of it, you're going to lose the tooth, you know why? because if someone else I just had that just lost the tooth, because he didn't take care of a cavity you're going to listen, so here that's the connection I was trying to take so here, the pasuk is, is Hashem is telling Aaron don't come to the Kodesh when you're not supposed to because you're going to die like your children died, that's a different warning. Lababa well, Chareva asked three questions. One, why did Rashi have to cite the analogy of two doctors? He just should have said the second case. Why are you saying the first case? He should have said that Akhari Moshe Nebe Aaron is like a doctor coming and saying, don't eat cold food, don't sleep in a cold place because I know someone that did that and died. Why are you talking about the first doctor who came in and didn't say that? That's over here. chef did say that. This first. Rabbi asked us the first question. Then he said, "Why does Rashi compare Aaron to a sick person?" The story is about a guy who's sick, who's dying. Aaron was not sick and dying. What else is he supposed to say? You mean what, any any case? Not of someone who's sick and dying. Sick and dying. He could have talked. To, he could have told the case of the guy with the cavity that's going to end up losing the tooth. Why is the Aaron compared to this guy? Where the doctor's coming in and saying, you're sick and dying. Now, this is, a, I love this question. Why is the mushle, if you're going to give a mushle to a sick person, why, are you, why it doesn't even make sense what you're saying. If you eat cold food and sleep in a cold bed, you're going to die? But why is Rashi, why is, it, why is Rabbi Luz, why is he picking those two things that were going to kill the guy? cold it's it's a story, right? So you're making up a story, why are you saying cold food in a cold bed? And then, why did Rashi quote that it was Rabbi Eliezer ben Isaiah that made up this marshal? Why are you quoting that it was Rabbi Eliezer Ben-Azaiah? So he says, very beautiful. Oh, and then he asks another question. That when they died, guys, when they died, let's go back. Pashashashmini. Why does it, what does it say there? Why did they die? Because they brought, because they went into the Kodesh Kedashim and it wasn't Yom Kippur? No. What did they do wrong? The they drank wine. Well, what does it say in Pashashashmini? It says... It <speaking in the language> right? they didn't H Zara, they went into the inter, right? Now how do we know that it had to do with wine? Because right after that, the next parsha, the next thing that it talks about, it says Baidaba Hashem al Lema, right? It doesn't say Moshe. And Hashem spoke directly to Aaron. what did he say? don't drink wine when you come into the Beijha Migdash. That's why they were killed. So they came in with wine. Because they thought they thought that wine would make them happier and that would bring them to a higher spiritual level. And therefore, what's it called? And therefore, um, they weren't allowed to do it. Now if you look in that passage, it says the same thing. So he's asking, the Obama Chiriva is asking, why doesn't Rashi tell us the parable here? It says, Ya in the you shouldn't drink tell you, and your sons, when you come to life, and you won't die, just like it says over here, right? Don't come into Beis Hamikdash when it's not Yom Kippur and Kadeshim, and you won't die. And Rashi's like, oh, the reason it says that is because the parable with the a doctor, and therefore it's going to warn Aaron that if you do this, you're going to die. It's a much better way of teaching him. So why didn't Rashi say that over here? This is way before this. Pasha when Hashem said you're going to drink wine, you're, go, you should, you're going to die. So Rashi should have said, the reason it says you're going to die is because of doctrine and internet. The same story. Why, why doesn't Rashi say it by wine, right? She only says about going into the Kodosh kedushin when you're not supposed to. But the same Rashi should have been over here by the wine. Says little Baba Cherebba. Fantastic question. He says the following. He says that was Rashi's question. Rashi was troubled that if none of you had died because they were they were intoxicated when they were performing in the in the in the, in the Beis Hamikdash and when they were entering in the Holy of the Holies, then then how come Aaron was only warned here? What, what's what's Rashi telling us over here? And why is Rashi specifically telling us that he was chilled foods and cold in place? So he says the following. Right, that's the, that's one of his questions. Why do I have to warn you that you're going to die right. if you do it? What's that whole thing? So he says. If he says beautiful, he says, and, and why why cold food? He says it seems to be that the, the the sick person had high temperature. He had very high temperature, and he was desperate. He was desperate to make himself cooler. So, when the the first doctor told him that. That he should eat cold, he shouldn't eat cold things, and he shouldn't sleep in a cold bed. He didn't listen, because at the end of the day, he was uncomfortable. He was hot. He was burning up with fever, so he didn't listen. So he simply could not refrain from eating the, the cold food, even though, generally speaking, he did listen to the doctor's advice. But since he found the high temperature unbearable, therefore he couldn't control himself, and he 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 would have eaten from the cold. But when he got the second warning don't not eat cold food or because you're going to die so that even though he was uncomfortable he said I'd rather be uncomfortable than die so he says the following he says that's how Rashi explains why Aaron might have been tempted to disobey the command if he wasn't warned about the death Aaron's love for Hashem and his desire to come close to Hashem was so great listen to this this is what the Rebbe is saying that Aaron loved Hashem so, Hashem so much and his desire to come close to him was so great that he might have chosen to go into the Kodesh kandashiv even if he died. Just to be that moment with Hashem. For he may have felt that being so close to Hashem was even more important than his continued physical existence in the body. Just as his two sons had, had, had come to that conclusion. In other words, Aaron was literally lovesick for Hashem to such an extent that he may have been tempted to ignore the prohibition of entering the Kadesh Kadashim in order to come Therefore, Rashi said the analogy of the two doctors to illustrate how in this case normal instructions might have been insufficient. And therefore, Kadesh Barucho had to tell Aaron, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to die. I'm not interested in you dying. The, the objective in life of a Jew is not to die for God. It's to live for God. Is to is to, is is not to drink wine to get to that level of intoxication so you can be close to Hashem. He wants you to be normal. Oh, some guy once to tell me that you don't understand, Rabbi When I smoke up, I the Gemara is much clearer. <laughs> I've heard that more than once. You don't understand when you're smoked up. Like I understand what the Rebbe is saying. I understand the Gemara. And I'm like Hashem doesn't want that. Even if it's true, and I don't believe it's true, right? But even if what he wants you to learn normal a normal person he doesn't want you to get intoxicated that was their mistake, they felt B'simcha, we're going to be more of the yayin's going to bring simcha and it's going to bring us to a higher level and like, I don't want that he killed. He, he showed Klaishua in front of everyone, he killed them I don't want that, I want you to be normal I want you to be able to that's what, my weddings, of my, of my daughters I didn't have any alcohol I don't let alcohol my wedding, and a lot of guys are really upset like, well, wow, this thing is so cheap like even my friends, like what? No, no. What? Johnny Walker Blue? Like what kind of wedding is this? And I'm like, if you can only be happy for me, and the Chasson's friends can only be happy for him when they drink, you're not my you're not my friend. If you need to drink to enjoy my wedding to dance with me, then then, then you're not my friend. Then you, you're not dancing with me. You're da- dancing with Johnny Walker. I didn't invite Johnny Walker to the wedding. I don't have a seat for him. I don't have a table for him you dance with Johnny Walker. You're not Johnny dancing with me. Seriously. I, I told that to guys. Because they were, come on, Rabbi, you know. So some guys try to sneak their own stuff in. I took it off the tables. I saw it. I took it away. I'm like, you come to this wedding and you dance with my son-in-law and you dance with me because you're happy for me, not for, not because you're drinking. These guys, all these weddings, they're drinking like crazy. That's not real. They thought, none of have you thought that if they drink one, it's going to take them to a higher level. I I don't want that. Don't, don't come, don't, don't be happy for the opening of the base hameek just because you drank. If you, it, it, it it's, it's, it's an insult. You can only get close to Hashem by drinking. That's how you spend your Shabbos. You can only be a drunk on Shabbos. That's how you get close to Hashem. So you're telling me Shabbos is downright ugly. She's ugly. I don't want to have anything to do with her. But if I'm blitzed enough, she looks pretty. So that's an insult to my daughter. Magic guy comes to me and says, listen, Rob well, Wolfstein your daughter is so ugly. If you want me to go out with her, you got to buy me a bottle of booze first. So if I drink enough, maybe she'll look good. I'm like, man, get out of my house. Why? Right, I'll be chasing with a baseball bat. Talking about my daughter that way. Are you crazy? So a guy that has to drink, on Shabbos, I can't get through Shabbos unless I drink with the guys. So you're telling Hashem, Shabbos is so ugly that I got to drink to get through Shabbos. So that was another, another of mistake was Hashem didn't want that. He didn't want that. But, here, in this case, because Aaron loved Hashem so much, there was a danger that he would go into the Kurdish Kedoshim and die. So Hashem had to give him a warning and said, that's not what I want. I don't want you to die like Nadav you That's not what I wanted. They died as a punishment, not because I don't want that. Now the question is, why specifically, right, were well, Elizabeth and Isaiah beautiful, he says beautiful, um, He asks another question, he says, why do you think that Aaron had such an intense yearning that he was willing to give up his life? Nadaman, I view, did indeed possess this quality. We, they did, they gave up their life. They wanted to be close to Hashem. But how do we know this by Aaron? He says, you, so he says that's why Rashi quoted a, a marshal from Elizabeth Isaiah. You know the story of Elizabeth Isaiah? We say it every Pesach night. Right, he was 17, he was 18 years old, and they wanted to become the, the Nasi, the head of Klaistral. When his wife heard that, um, she didn't think he was mature enough for that position. She said to him, you're gonna become the Nasi, you don't even have one white hair. So that night, we all know, we say this in the Haggadah, right? He went to sleep, and he had a full head of hair, white hair, overnight. It was a sign from Hashem that despite that he was young, he had sufficient knowledge to be a Nasi. So they asked the question, how is it possible that at eighteen years old he was so mature? So it says that he was a direct descendant of Ezra. Did you know that Elizabeth as I was a direct descendant of Ezra who pfft, it says that Ezra was I don't know bigger, he was so big, he was such a big topic whatever. and therefore um, because he hereditary from Ezra, he had the ability to at eighteen years old, um, in such a short amount of time become the leader of Kleistron so Rashi says that Rabbi Elizabeth and Isaiah brought this parable of two doctors because he said that if you see that Aaron's two sons Nader and Avihu possess that gift of such love for God we can only presume where did they get that from that they're willing to die just to be with Hashem they must have gotten it from their father so therefore Aaron would have been the same way and therefore Khajbarhu had to, first of all as I was the one who said it, because he was the one who was eighteen years old and got that from he came from Ezra, so he got that unbelievable kayak from Ezra. So therefore we, we know that a child can have this unbelievable kayak, this this DNA from his from his forefathers. So if another you we were willing to give up to life, surely Aaron was willing to give up to life. So Kijbarhu said here, I don't I don't want I don't that's not what I want. That's not what I want. I don't want you to die. If you think you can go in there and come back out, nothing's going to happen. That's like the first doctor. The second doctor, he says no. That, just like by the second doctor, he warned them that 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 if you're going to do this, I know someone who died from it, and I don't want you to die from it. And that's why, because Kishrobohu said this over here. That's why he mentioned that specifically over here. These two of the talk are are together. And it's, it's a, uh, I, I don't, have, I'm, don't have time tonight to go into everything, but it's, it's unbelievable. most Kedoshim is unbelievable. There's a whole shot on, very hard to understand. I remember I spoke about this many years ago. Kedoshim begins. Kedoshim to you, you should be holy, right? Which which means, um, it, it means you should stay away from Arias. From, from immorality, girls and all this other stuff, right? Because I am holy. But you're God. What kind of reason is that? But you're telling me, listen, you need to be holy because I'm holy, but Hashem, you're God, I'm not you, I'm, I'm a worm, I'm a worm. So, that's one of the answers. What, what Hashem is, huh? What Hashem is saying is that it's a lesson for all teachers, Rabbein, everybody, parents who have iPhones and they're like, my kid, Taylor kids, you shouldn't have an iPhone. It's mad that if Ma, you have an iPhone, you can't tell. If you drink, don't tell me not to drink. If you smoke, don't tell me when I reach your age. Like, Bach was saying, the most, the most, and everyone needs to listen to this, We're listening to this year, Maybe pull over because this is like very, very important for parents, for teachers, for speakers, for all of us. God is making a statement and God is saying, is giving us Musa, right? He's giving us He's telling you, right? Kiddushim to you. I want you to be holy. God is saying the next two words. He's saying, I, He's God. I can't give you Musa. I can't tell you to be something I'm not. So Hashem is telling all of us that before you tell someone else to be holy, before you're a Rebbe, you give mustard, you know, and you shouldn't look at girls, and you shouldn't talk on shahara and you shouldn't be jealous, and everything that you're teaching, or you're a parent, and you're telling your kids, you have to have mido's, and you shouldn't, you should be nice to other people. Meanwhile, he's watching his father who's telling him that, like, like, how come you didn't open the door and how come you sat down? Meanwhile, he doesn't, the, the, the father doesn't treat the wife, the wife with any, any, any respect whatsoever. So he's telling his kids that you have to give everyone respect and shul. Why do not you get up when the old man walked in? Why did you sit down by the kiddish before anyone else sat down? And he's thinking, wait, you get into the house, you don't wait till mommy starts to, you know, one of the, one of the manner things is when you sit down at the table, you don't start eating until the mother and father sit, sit down start eating. Usually the mother waits for the father, but sometimes I've been in houses where the man has respect for his wife, he doesn't start eating until his wife eats. But if you, if you sit down and you f- feed your face, you don't wait for anyone else at the table, don't give anyone else musa. So a God, who can tell you, you don't have to set an example, he can tell you, this is what you're going to do, or else I'm going to put you in a puff of smoke in one second. God says, I will not ask you to be holy unless I'm holy what a lesson you hit it on the head what a lesson and the biggest mistake of parents is they think that kids will do what they're told to do kids do what they see they don't do what they're told to do and therefore, I've spoken about this many times you cannot I walked into school asked me Wallace, we want you to talk about technology social networks kids are out of control, they're not even have iPhones, and they're on their phones the whole time, and did the day, and you give up, you scare them, and you tell them, okay, I said okay, no problem, no problem. I walk into the hall about 15 minutes before, I'm not going to say what school, every school, but I'm not going to say what school, I will do the hall 15 minutes before my speech, I'm talking to the principal in the front, every parent's sitting there texting, all their iPhones are texting. Well, they're what? Yeah, yeah, they're working, yeah, they're working. So they're working. <laughs> we spoke at nine thirty at night. Maybe they were dealing with um, uh, Australia. It's nine thirty in the morning. Maybe China.
1: I'm not down chapschus
0: when you have an iPhone in your hands. Um, so I don't have to be. I'm not mechayv to be down chapschus if you have an iPhone in your hands. Uh, if you have one of these phones, I'm down with Jesus. But, so I got in there, and I said, I said to them, I said, really? I'm wasting my time. All the parents in this room that have smartphones, you should leave my speech right now. Which would have been the whole school. I said, because if you have it, no matter what I'm going to tell the kids, if you have it, you can't tell them not to have it. If you, if you have internet, you can't, it doesn't work. The only reason I could stop my kids for a certain age is because I said, I don't have it. I don't have it. I could ask you not that. I could ask all my tell-me-them and everyone that I speak to, you cannot have an iPhone. Because I don't have a guy, a guy texted me today, oh my god, I heard you got a smartphone Rebbe, I hope it's not true. I texted him back over my dead body. It's not true. Well, I know what happened. Let me tell you what happened. So, my phone didn't work. I went to Alaska last year. And phones on the cruise don't work. The only way you can communicate is WhatsApp. There's no phone service whatsoever. Satellites, I don't know how they work, just WhatsApp. I'm going on this cruise for ten days or eight days. I don't have a phone. This phone doesn't work anywhere. So I asked my secretary if I could have her old iPhone with WhatsApp. I only have WhatsApp. So I'd be able to talk to people through WhatsApp. So she created a WhatsApp account for the phone for those eight days. Now I don't know how these phones work. And that's it. I, I, I gave her back. I came back with the boat. I gave her her phone back. I hate it. I don't, I don't, fech. This I know how to use. I don't know how to use that. Mm-hmm. Pop-ups and zach and a I don't know what's going on with it. So. But what happens is that now there's a WhatsApp that says Rabbit Wallenstein. So even if she has her phone and it's off, there's a WhatsApp. So if you send a WhatsApp, it'll sit there till I go on my next cruise. If you open the phone, there's probably 95,000 WhatsApps that were sent to a phone that wasn't read yet. So I have a feeling that someone told them Reby has WhatsApp. If Rebby has WhatsApp, he must have a smartphone. But I don't. I had WhatsApp on that on that on that cruise, and since then she's had the phone. But it could be that she, it, no phone's dead. Phone's dead. It doesn't have service. It's dead. Really, not answer. What? Mm-hmm. Really? But she doesn't. She's not using the phone. Whatever. But anyway, so 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 to you is you have to be holy, but I can tell you to you, Keshavach says, because I'm holy. And it's it's a lesson, it's not a lesson for Hashem, it's a lesson for all of us. Because the two words are right next to each other. You see what it says? Kaddership to you, kikadashani. I can ask you to be holy because I'm holy. I can ask you to get rid of your phone because I got rid of my phone. I can ask you not to watch movies because I don't watch movies. I can ask you not to talk Lashon because I don't talk Lashon I can ask you to treat people correctly because I treat people correctly. But you can't. Right, it's the example. Otherwise, the question—if it's not an example—the question is very stark. I'm not you, Hashem. Hashem—that's what I'm trying to say. It's not you should be holy because I'm holy, because I, because you're holy, you're God, and I'm not God. Hashem saying I can only ask you to be holy, kikadosh I can only ask you to get off your phone because I'm off my phone. It's a lesson. What? He doesn't have to work for it to be holy. Right. So. So we have to work. Right. So you get, you get, you get schusen. So that it's not within the, 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 the concept of like a hypocrite or like your parents do something and telling you not to do it. You got to do the work. You have to do the work. It's not, you see, you, you, how would I to explain it to you? The question is, how, you can't, because Bochu is saying, I'm, I'm teaching you that you can only ask what you are. You can only ask what you are. I am God and I can't be unholy. That, that, that's not the lesson here. Because that doesn't make, that's, that's not fair. The lesson Hashem is saying is, because I am holy, I can ask you to be holy. That Hashem is holy and it's different and it's easier and all that. 100%. But the lesson is you cannot ask someone to be something that you're not. That's the lesson. If you, if that's not the lesson, then then you have a bomb question. Mm-hmm. Well, you're holy, your God. I'm. Not, I'm. Not, you don't have yeter an for women. And you don't have yeter an for iPhones and all that. It's it's a lesson in I'm holy. You need to be. You need to be holy because I'm holy. Otherwise, I can't ask you to be holy. You have to set a lesson. It's very it's very hard. It's very easy to make speeches. I don't talk about things that I do wrong. I don't give you muster about things that I do wrong. I will never ask you to do something that I did wrong, even though I could, right? But it's, it's, if I didn't, if I'm, I'm not there yet, then when I, I told you, you and the knows that, and I never spoke about television. You ever hear speak about television? Twenty years I'm giving you I never spoke about television. Because I grew up with television, and I don't watch television, but to me it's not such a terrible thing because it's not interactive. Now it's a terrible thing because it's all gay stuff, it's all, it's all crazy liberalism. When I was growing up, what was wrong with, you know, watching Superman and the Little Rascals and, and the Three Stooges and all that other stuff? So I didn't, I didn't feel that it was wrong. So I, I'm desensitized. I don't talk about it because I didn't perfect it. I didn't perfect it. I don't, in my heart and soul, it's like, it's much, I wish everyone had a television and no one had internet. Because you can't talk to anybody. You're watching, but you can't they can't interact with you. It's not good. Don't get me wrong. It's terrible. Today, you can't watch television. You cannot watch television today. You cannot watch television today. But I, it's not my not my thing. Music, all the things that I worked on, I could talk about. And I could set an example. And I'm not going to talk to you about listen, not listening to Goyesha music. And then I'm going to put it on my car while I'm driving. I'm not. Because if I put it on my car, I won't talk to you about it. Because I don't feel that it'll work. I feel that you'll hear it, but your soul's like, like, I know what you're doing, Rabbi. So in your brain, you don't feel that, but your soul knows that. And where do you do tshuva? Where, where do you, where, when someone talks to you, it's not going into your head. If I'm talking to you from my heart, it's going to your heart. Your heart doesn't work like a brain. Your heart knows exactly what's going on in my heart. It's not a brain. Not to your brain. It's less than lave. So, person the Shaman knows. How do you know that? So, if you study the Dibbuk, which I never really spoke about that much here, but I studied all about dibukim, and you study the Dibbuk, the Dibbuk, when you walked into the room, until the Chafz Chaim sent uh, Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, um, no, who did he send? I don't know who he sent. He, to, to, in the name of in, the, the, the Dibbuk, every single rabbi that walked in try to get the Dibbuk out, He said, oh, you, last time you were speaking, you were looking at that woman. last time you were speaking, you were thinking about money. He could read, the Dibbuk could read everything that was going on in that other person's soul. So nobody wanted to to mess with him. So how does the Dibbuk read what's in your soul? Because souls can read souls. But the Dibbuk speaks. So it's a soul that was reading your soul and telling you what I saw. So we know, from the Dibbuk, you know that a soul, that your soul sees my soul and my soul sees your soul. But, but, we're not debooking, we don't have debukim, so they're not talking. But you know exactly, your souls know exactly what I'm all about. I cannot fool them. So if I get up and start talking about Shmiras and I am and you should look at girls, and I'm going home, we at girls, your souls cannot be couple that much. So they're like, it's not conducive to you, I'm not holy. You. You're not holy rabbi, you're talking about a subject that you didn't Perfect. Get out of Get out of my face. So you're going to listen in your head, and you're going to walk out and say, wow, what a sheer. I'm going to change my whole life, but you neshama Shema's not going to get unique from that shear. So people, again, that doesn't mean, let's clarify this, because I once gave this shear. I got some interesting emails. It doesn't mean that if I talk tonight about Shmir and say, nah, I'm not looking at girls, right? And I give you that share. And then you go out tomorrow and start looking at girls. Must be Rabbi Wallerstein. is giving us muster and he's looking at girls. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. It means you're a low life. That's what it means. You're a low life. I'm not the low life. But you're not gonna stop looking at girls if unless I, who's giving the muster, during my Yaitzim and Alev, it has But that you're looking doesn't mean that I'm not that I'm not perfected in it. Or you're talking lashon hara doesn't mean I talk lashon hara. Because after my last year, guys were like, "Oh, so that means that if I, so the rebbe who gave me the share, he must be." ha <laughs> ha No, it's, it's still your bechira what to do. But on the other side, I can't help you. You're not going to walk out and stop unless I'm, unless I'm pure. I think that's correct. that? I mean, it happened many times. Okay, so anyway, I think it's a very, very important lesson that we need to learn. I want to end tonight with a Holocaust story. Um, I think it was Yom HaShoah, no? This week, last this week, you know, I suppose Yom Hazikaron. All the soldiers that died. It's interesting. I think they said there's 23, almost as many Talmudim as Rabbi Akiva. 23,840 soldiers died since 1948. That's a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of good Jewish people. Died for the land, died, died for it strong Died so you can get on LL business class and fly and go to the Waldorf. Twenty three thousand people. Anyway. Um very fascinating story. Uh that it's actually in Linal Shabayach. The safe Alinlus, I read it. And the story goes like this. <laughs> True story. What? <laughs> I don't remember what partial It's I think it's in Yeah, once. He's a he's huge, big tonic. Anyway, so the story is like this. And it's a true story. He said it's a story about someone that lived in B'nai B'rach. It was a man who lived in B'nai B'rach and he had a grandson and he went through the war. Um, he had numbers on his arm. He had numbers on his arm. He went through the war and his grandson, when he was very young, was sitting on his lap in shul and he saw his grandfather put on tefillin and he asked him, how come you don't have any hair on your arms? No hair. He had a beard, hair on his face, payas, nothing, not one hair on his, both his arms. And a, he bothered him all the time as he was growing up, he bothered him all the time. He said, tell me, why don't you have hair on your arms? He said, listen, in mitzvah, shemit, Yoba mitzvah, that me be mitzvah present. You'll get, the, you'll get the answer. Okay? Comes this by mitzvah. It's a true story. It's a no ridiculous story. Comes this by mitzvah. The kid totally forgot about the question or whatever it is. And they're sitting at the mitzvah in Eretz Yisrael in B'nei And all of a sudden this man walks in. Not a hair on his body. Bald. No eyelashes. No hair on his face. Looked like he came out of radiation, chemo. Everyone was sure that was the story. He must be a very sick man, and, and, and he's his grandfather's friend, whatever it was. And he came in, and, and the grandfather saw him walk in, and he got up, and they hugged and they kissed for like, they were just hugging for a long time and crying together. And everyone's like, Who's this guy? You know, you figure this grandfather's crying because he's so sick. He, he looked like he just came out of chemo, and he's like, has cancer, and not a hair on his body. And nobody knew who this man was. And the grandfather was like, grandfather puts him at the head table, makes a chair for him, and says to his grandson, "You want to know why I have no hair on my arms? Because of him." So now the kid was like, "Mitzvah after the bar mitzvah, we sit at a table, the three of us, we'll tell you the story." So we sit down. These two, these two the grandfather, the kid, and this other man. And the grandfather says, and the, actually the, the guy says the guy says the story he says. We were in, I think it was Auschwitz, whatever, and he was um, a young boy, and they were in, together. They didn't know each other. They were together in a group that was born into Auschwitz Kinder, young kids, and they stripped them. They they you know they said the Jews are full of lice and filth, and so what they would do is they would strip them. They would take off their clothing and shave off their hair. Over here, and then there were these pits of lye. Lye is acid mixed with water, and they would dunk the kid in for like a second to delouse him to kill all the lice. Pits of acid, unbelievable. And so this guy, not the grandfather, the other guy. So he he said the story that he got there with his five brothers and sisters and his mother and father, and they separated him to the, to the group of young men and the mother and the father and the other four kids that were younger than him were on the other side and when they separated him his mother thought that they were all going to get killed the, all the boys so she ran across to grab him when the Nazis saw that they shot her and they said who's she with and they said those four, or five kids and the husband And they shot all of them in front of him. He saw his mother, father, and all his siblings die in front of him. They shot him all in front of him. Their blood was running, all dead. And then they took him, shaved off his hair, took off all his clothing. They were all standing there naked with their hands over their private parts. They were all standing there. I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures. And then they went into this, like, house, like room like this. And they had these pits of lye. They would drop them in, come out. And then they would dress him with the the concentration clothing. This boy, he just saw his mother, father murdered. The kids are all murdered. He's like, he had nothing in the world. Everything he had in the world was taken away from him in one second. He didn't even have clothing. Nothing. And they drop him into this pit of lie. And they push his head under and he doesn't come up. Doesn't come up. And this Grandfather was on, didn't know where he was, it was online. You don't come up, you're gonna, you're gonna melt. It's gonna burn you to nothing. So he ran over, he put his life the danger because they could have shot him. He ran over, put his arms into the, into the lime pit, grabbed him from underneath his arms, and pulled him out. When he did that, he burnt all the hair off from the acid. His hands were in there so long to pull this guy off, the grandfather burnt all the acid off his hands. And he pulls his kid out and the Nazis don't shoot him. Yeah. And he sort of holds him up online and There's smoke coming out. He burnt his skin, he burnt all his hair off, he burnt everything off. And the Nazis was like, Yeah, you can take him, he's gonna die anyway. And he took him into the into the barracks and he covered him up. And he should have died, but it was a miracle that he didn't. And he said to him, Why did you stay in the pit? Why don't you come up like all the other boys? And he said, when they put my head under, I was thinking to myself, they they killed my father, they killed my mother, they killed my siblings. They even took away my honor. They took away my clothes. They stood there naked. These were from kids. They took away my clothing. I had nothing left in the world. He said, and when I was underneath that lie, that acid, I was like, but they can't take away Hashem. And I'm just going to be here together with Hashem. That's it. And they looked at each other. They were young boys. And the grandfather told him, he was. they thought he was going to die, but he said, not only were you with Hashem in that pit, but we're going to get out of this together. And one day you're going to come to my grandchild's bar mitzvah. And the guy who had lost all everything said, bar mitzvah, we're never going to get out of here. He said, the God that was with you in the pit of lie will be with you. Promise me that if I'm right, no matter where you are in the world, you'll come to my grandson's bar mitzvah. And that was him. And he came to the bar mitzvah. And he had no hair because from that day on that he was burnt all the hair off, never grew back. He writes it in the safe for shabaya. We don't even understand what this means to be on such a level. Both of them. When I read the story, who's greater? Both of them. One of them was like, You took everything away from me. I have nothing. I have nothing in the world. You took my clothing. I'm naked. You took my clothing. So in that acid, he was like, I have Hashem, I'm not leaving, I'm not, I'm not getting out of here. I have Hashem. Right? And the other guy who pulled him out had to be tochon that one day I'm gonna have a bar mitzvah for my grandchild. And you gotta promise me you'll be there. What? Right, but he was, he was in such a, He wasn't dying. He wasn't saying I was dying for Hashem. He was like, I was in there, and I was just like, it was me and him, and and there was nothing else in the world. He was in a different mindset. We don't even understand. We don't understand what that means. What? No, he can never. So he said to his grandson, he said, that's why I have no hair on my hands, because I pulled him out. He writes in Atlanta Shabbat. What a story. The man lived in in Imbéne Rock. What to you? Now that's a, that's another answer to this question. And you, you, somebody else was saying that answer. But you were saying the answer. Hashem is saying that your neshama is part of Me. Therefore, you can be holy like Me. In other words, you're saying, "Well, I'm a human being, and You're a God." No, You have godliness in You. You have a holy soul, and if you could get in contact with that soul and feed that soul and be with that soul, then you are you have elikus, you have godliness in you. Hikedayshim is also godliness. You have that's the, the that we say in Pirkei in Avos that every person is created right, but tell like him elikim. So I want you to know that I'm asking you to be holy. You know why? Because you have holiness in you. Where do you have that holiness? Because I'm God. And everyone has a piece of God in them. That was the other terrors that you were trying to answer. So it's like a two-fold terrors. It's, I'm God, and therefore I can ask you to be holy because I'm holy, and you now want to ask someone to do something that you're not. And on top of that, you should, you, you, you should know who you are. People, that, you know, the, the biggest thing right now is depression. For person, depression and anxiety, if a person understood, I mean, that's what I'm dealing with all the time in, thera- in, the, in the therapy world today, Depression is a killer. Depression causes suicide. Depression steals your life from you. But if a person understands this weak parasha, the condition that, that, that you're part of God, that you're a piece of God, you're not getting depressed, and you're not anxious about anything. So you, you have eloquence in you. Eloquence? What is there to be depressed about? If you have eloquence in you, there's nothing to be depressed about. The problem is that we became the animal. And with such animal... And with so little Kedusha, with so little spiritual, we became so physical. Being totally physical is depressing. Because what does an animal do its whole life? It eats and it dies. Or it's 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 in your your, your hamburger. It has nothing. It has nothing. It has no life. So it's talking depressing. So the more the more dashmiest you are, the more animal you are, yeah, the more depressed you're going to be. Because you don't realize Kedushim, that you have holiness in you, that you have godliness in you. The more you realize the godliness you have, you get up in the morning. You are like, I have godliness. I, have, I have, I'm. I'm Kaddish. I'm holy. I'm not. I'm not dealing with girls and and drugs and all this other garbage. I'm godly. Godly doesn't do drugs. Godly doesn't watch movies. You're not supposed to. God doesn't hurt people. I'm. I'm a god. I'm. I'm a piece of God. We are, and and that's. The more you develop spiritually. Rav Moshe Feinstein was never depressed. You, you meet Rav Khaim he happens to be very funny, on top of being in the God Hadar, he's not, never depressed. He never went outside and said, ah, I got a smoke pot, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm <laughs> totally out of it, man. You know, I need some drugs. He's never depressed because Torah godliness is, is the opposite of Atzvah. It's the opposite of being depressed. Rav Palm, all, all you go to any God They're smiling. They're unbelievable. They're happy. Why are they happy? They don't have a beautiful house. And they don't have crazy food. And they're not going to the best restaurants in the world. They don't even go to restaurants. And the answer is, the more animal you are, the less happy you are. Because what is an animal to be be happy about? They're not happy. You never saw a cow smile. See a chicken smile, a cow smile, a fish smile. That whole animal world doesn't smile. They're not happy. They're not happy. They're animals. So the more animals we are, the less happy we are. So why are we more depressed now? Everyone wants to know, is it vaccines? It's not vaccines, we're animals. We're, we're so not spiritual. So if you're not spiritual, like, yeah, life is depressing. If you're not spiritual, life is very depressing. Sleep, so you should have energy to go to work, so you can make more money, so you can eat, so you can go to the bathroom. What are you, what are you doing your whole life? You're, you're like a hamster. Spinning, 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 spinning. What are you doing? You're sleeping, so you have energy to work, so to make some money, so you can eat, so you go back to sleep, so you can make some more money, so you're spinning. Then you eat, then you can't eat, then you get too old, and you're not allowed to eat this, and you're not allowed to eat that, and then you're this, and you that. What's life about? It's, it's very depressing. Life, life, physical life, is very depressing. You're getting older and older every day. That's depressing. You're getting closer to death every day. That's depressing. No, just the opposite. If you're spiritual, every single day is a, is another day of potential of growth. I, I heard some something, I'll, I'll end with this. Dwayim, every day they get older, they look at it as a day closer to death. Right? Uh, you're a your day closer to death. As you get older, because you're an animal. You don't have any spirituality. So the older the cow, the closer the cow is to death. The older the dog, the closer the dog is to death but if you have if you are key you are you're you're a piece of god like this week's parsha then it's just the opposite it's every day i'm adding something to my life i'm i'm, do, I'm, I'm doing a mitzvah i'm adding something i'm not subtracting If you don't have spirituality, every day you're subtracting. Another day less of my life, another day less of my life, another day less of my life. But if you're, if you're, if you're spiritual and you're doing what you're supposed to, you're doing mitzvahs, it's like, oh my god, another day! 1500 amens and kriyashvahs and brakas! So you're adding. When you're, when you're a spiritual being, every day you add. When you're a physical being, every day you subtract. It's just the opposite. It's like sphero. Why sphero? Why isn't it a counting down? 49 days to the, to the Torah. 47 days to the Torah. 45 days to the Torah. Two days left to the Torah. One day left to the Torah! Countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Blast off. Why don't we count from Pesach? 49 days left. Tonight's 48 days left. Now there's only five days left. Exciting, right? When you count down, the days that you're counting down is between you and the goal. Oh, there's still 47 days between me and the goal. Oh, there's still 45 days between me and the goal. When you count up, it's, I'm one day closer to the goal. I'm two days closer to the goal. I'm three days closer to the goal. I'm 15 days closer to the goal. I'm 48 days closer to the goal. It's a positive thing. In Judaism, in Yiddishkeit, when you're doing spirituality in your life, another day of, 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 of of gaining, another day of gaining, another day of gaining. Oh my gosh, another day of gaining. Kodashi to you. Another day of gaming, but when you're when you don't have when you have just a physical life, where you're just eating and girls and, and physical stuff and all that, right? it's like, oh no, one more day less of eating, one more day less of eating, another day less of eating. Oh my god. I had 900 days left of my life to eat. Now I only have 898 days left, 99 days. And that that's depressing. That's very depressing. When you're counting down, that's very depressing. I'm getting closer to the end. It's talking very depressing. So when you're physical, yeah, it's very depressing. Spirituality is potential. It's the opposite. Another day! Good morning! Right? In the physical world, like, oh no, another day! Less of my life! Tonight when I go to sleep, I lost another day of my life! Because what'd you do? You have one more day less in your life to eat. Because you ate today. But in the spiritual world, it's like, wow, one more day of gathering mitzvahs and chesed and all this other thing. It's the same thing as Sviro. May we'll have a rikha's yam and Slochem Brachem, thank you for coming tonight. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by ToraanyTime.com.